Welcome to 3 to Play DLC. With DLC, we break away from the traditional 3 to Play games podcast format to bring you more varied gaming topics. Today, we'll dive once again into the past to discuss a major game release that seems to have been forgotten. And that game is Batman Arkham Origins. And here to discuss this title is... Josh. And Tom. Press start. Josh, can you believe that it has been an entire high school education worth of time since Batman Arkham Origins came out? Has it really been that long? Yeah. Uh, October 25th, 2013 is when this game was dropped. Oh, my God. I remember when it came out. I was I was still working at Best Buy at the time. But mm-hmm. I remember when it came out, it was a big hype because everyone's like, oh, man, it's Arkham Origins. It's, it's, it's going to go back to the beginning, and this is where... This, we're going to see more of the Joker now since they killed him off in in uh, Arkham City. And this is going to be great. Mm-hmm. But but it's Kevin Conroy and, and, and Mark Hamill are not going to reprise their roles. Okay. And oh, and it's a different it's a different developer that, that's doing it, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's very much a game of trade-offs. And uh, I think that's a big reason why it's it's kind of been like shoved to the side. Like when people talk about the Arkham series, they just do Asylum, City, Night. Even though I think Night is kind of questionable in, in itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Did you play Night uh, to the very end? No. Uh, as discussed before this podcast, I found out what the twist was, and I was like, ah. I don't, and need, then, I don't need that in my life again. Yeah, it's like, right, we've we've been on this road how many times, guys? Get over it. And mm-hmm. just the, the bat tank overload, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, it's an unsatisfying. I did buy it a couple days ago because it was on PlayStation Store for like seven dollars, and I was like, okay. Wow. And wow. the the season pass, which will we'll definitely get into season passes one day on the other podcast, uh, was on an extreme sale for about I think it was like ten dollars, and I was like, yeah, I'll get I'll get that too. So and that title is not even two years old. I'm sure I'm pretty sure. Right. Uh, maybe fifteen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was fifteen that that came out. Well, fifteen or something. I have, so I, I have notes. I have notes for origins, not for this. So. <laughs> that could be another one. But the reason that we're having this conversation is because in a couple days, mm. Mm, there's going to be a mm. movie coming out that is supposed to fix everything. Yep, it's supposed to fix the North Korea problem. It's mm-hmm. supposed to fix world hunger, and it's supposed to fix the DC extended universe if that's what they're still calling it by the time this episode drops well uh, yeah i mean they're already announced that they're not going to be doing it much longer so Mm -hmm. (sighs) so just as warner brothers is struggling with their film universe let's get to uh a game that seemed to be a a weird offshoot in their video game batman universe josh do you want to do you want to get break down the nitty-gritty of batman arkham origins so let me just start you off here on a game that's called Batman Arkham Origins. Can I I'm just going to come right out the gates with this. Do it. Do a it. game that has nothing to do with Arkham. Nope. And the game that is not an origin story. N- nope. <laughs> Barely. So, so um, where does this title come from? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It I guess it's just they must have marketed it and I don't I guess I don't know. <laughs> It just, it, I was thinking there as I was doing some research for this, and I was like, wait a second. It's called Arkham Origins. They're in Blackgate for, they mentioned Blackgate. They mentioned, you know, the Gotham City PD. They do all this stuff. There's barely any mention of Arkham, and I don't even think Arkham's in existence yet. Uh, in Arkham's this. not. Um, we'll get into that as we go through, because it, it, Arkham's involvement in the plot is like a footnote at the end of the game, and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, if anything, like, this could as a stretch be called joker origins but that's not as catchy of a title i guess yeah i guess it's just supposed to be this is called the arkham series in terms of its overall four title and handheld spinoff scope it's called the arkham series so at again as like a concession level it's the origin of the arkham storytelling universe mm-hmm. but yeah no arkham asylum in this game so yeah, Warner Brothers, eager to follow up the popularity of Arkham City, passed 
development onto Warner Brothers Montreal for this title because Rocksteady was developing Arkham Knight, which was going to be released on next generation consoles. So this was the last Batman title in this series, in this style, that was released on the 360, PC, PS3, and Wii U. And the Wii U involvement is notable. We're going to talk about something that happened with the Wii U release. So that's important to keep an eye on. But as with the other games, this is a third-person action-slash-stealth title. It's primarily a single-player game. But as an interesting note, this did have an online multiplayer component. Did you get to try the multiplayer mode at all? When it originally came out, I did. Um, I, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is very similar to Splinter Cell's Mercs versus Spies. Yes. And I was very interested in it. I was like, okay, that you have my you have my attention. And then I played about two rounds of it and said, you don't have my attention anymore. Yeah, we're just going to get this out of the way up front because it's not that interesting. But you play in teams of either mercenaries and thugs versus Batman and Robin. Or you play as Batman and Robin versus a team of mercenaries. If you're the superheroes, your job is to pick them off predator mode. And if you're the mercenaries, it's your job to hunt down the Cape Crusaders before they pick you off. Interesting concept, but I just... I tired of it very quickly, like you said. Yeah, it it didn't seem like they're they had they had a good idea, but they were trying to use the mechanics from the in-game single-player mode in a multiplayer, and it just didn't work. The shooting mechanics just didn't feel right. Even mm-hmm. Batman and Robin, though they felt like two completely different characters, they didn't even control like he did in the actual games. It felt like you were playing with some kind of a in-game handicap and it just didn't seem right it felt like it was more watered down than the actual single player mode of the game it felt like did you ever play the multiplayer mode in metroid prime 2 echoes no actually i never played uh any of the metroid prime games other than the first one basically with metroid prime 2 the objective seemed to be here's all the mechanics from single player just split it up amongst four players and let them have fun okay yeah, so when it came to the multiplayer side of this, I was fine with the two matches that I played. I didn't need to play any more of it. I was like, oh, okay, I saw everything that this has to offer. There's nothing else that intrigued me about it. So just stick to a single-player mode. Leave it as it is. You have the challenge maps in there. That's I don't even need those. I just prefer the story, but I thought that was just useless. All right. So, Lele, when you want to get into the meat of this entree then? Yes, so interesting story starts off on Christmas Eve at the Blackgate Penitentiary where Black Mask and his crew is uh, trying to break prisoners out and he has the help of Killer Croc at the beginning of the game. So interesting team up. It was nice to see Black Mask being utilized more than just a mob boss because that's every time it's like, oh, it's Black Mask. Okay, okay, yeah, he just, he has money. That's that's nice. That's cool. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's very early in Batman's career. Um, the plot description cites it as he's two years into being Batman, and this is set five years before Arkham Asylum. So it gives you a sense of where he is in his career. Uh, it was nice seeing Croc because he's been a big heavy throughout the Arkham series, and uh, it gives you the first glimpses of why he's so angry at Batman all the time, you know, because Batman's always ruining his day (laughs) i want to talk really quick though um if you're into it just so i've noticed that possibly since batman begins up to recently there's been a lot of popularity i'd say in setting certain kinds of batman stories around you know the beginning of his career the early years of his career you have this uh the batman telltale game was set in the early years of his career And on the flip side of that, there's also a popularization of telling stories of the end of his career or the the twilight years, the older Bruce Wayne, Mm -hmm. which we saw in Batman versus Superman. It's it's something that I think works to a certain extent, but like I think some of the better Batman stories that have been told are just like the stories where it's like Batman's established, the audience gets it, you know, like... I'd argue that Batman's origin story is probably the second most popular origin story of a character next to Jesus. So <laughs> we don't always need we don't always need to hear it. So but but like when you tell stories where it's just like this is Batman and he's doing stuff, you get things like the animated series, Arkham Asylum, you know, 
just where it's like we know what's going on. The just Dark Knight story. You know what I mean? Dark Knight. Yep. So. Just a, like a little interesting note I wanted to make is like Origins just was part of that trend where it's like, well, we got to get in the early years of Batman. Yeah. Because reasons. Yeah. I I think Batman and I think all superheroes though, should all be treated the same. I think they should be treated as just short stories, a collection of just short stories. There doesn't need to be any like continuation to certain stories. Now, I understand when the comics come out, you have your your run and then that's it. But when games come out, when movies come out, it doesn't need to be a sequel. It doesn't need to be that. Like, the difference between Batman from 89 and Batman Returns was there was no, nothing combined those two stories together. They were two standalone stories. Even when Batman Forever came out, they were all standalone stories. Right. And even Batman and Robin was a standalone. Well, Batman and Robin was a standalone story, but it did have little ties to Forever in there. Yeah, there was senses of continuity, but we weren't in the episodic, serialized world that we live in now, where like everything has to follow everything. And, yeah, you know, stuff has to. Yeah, I don't think even these games. You know, City was a great sequel to Asylum, but you don't need to constantly keep making a sequel to the next game. The sequel to the next game, you can go ahead and just make another Batman story that has nothing to do with the other ones. But I think we're so in that mindset of this needs to be a sequel to it. It needs to be a sequel to it. We need to have a callback to this. We need to be – it doesn't need to be that way. If you look in the first Arkham Asylum, they destroyed Arkham Asylum. They destroyed the whole whole thing. Like, Mm -hmm. So now you can't make a story now about sending them to Arkham because it's no longer in existence. They destroyed half of Gotham City because – just because. Because they can just do whatever they want. They blocked off half of of Gotham City to turn it into this futuristic prison where your inmates can run wild. Like, mm-hmm. now you just took away half of Gotham City just to continue the story. You are constantly yeah. keep blowing it up over and over again. Now, this game, you go, you go, to, Go- you go to Gotham, and it is empty. Yeah, and they use the they use a, a a snowstorm gimmick where it's a winter advisory warning. So all the citizens of Gotham are inside their houses because they're all snowed in, and it's basically the Arkham City map just covered in snow. Yeah, and it's like on paper that kind of works, but like you said, the map just feels like uninhabited. It's a sandbox that's lifeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you have the entire city to do whatever you want to, but there's apparently no one living in this city except for thugs. And as you said, it's kind of like because you go from an asylum to a city prison, but then what you how do you go upwards from there? They kind of wrote themselves into a corner. So maybe the prequel idea is like we got to go way back so that we can use the time to figure out how to write ourselves out of this box. And, you know, in the past, we don't got to worry about it because we didn't, Arkham City doesn't exist yet. So just do Gotham, but don't put any effort into making it feel like a living, breathing city, you know? Yeah. So the story starts off, it's Christmas Eve. One thing I did like about this game was it happened over the course of one day or one night. It was a really long night for him, but it was one night. It was Uh, a dark night. Uh, but yeah, so Killer Croc, Black Mask, going into Blackgate Penitentiary. It's kind of surprising that they just went ahead, killed the commissioner off, Commissioner Loeb at the time. So quickly, right at the beginning of the game, just to show that these guys weren't screwing around. Yeah, it's just like, hey, you're corrupt. All right, you're dead now. Bye. <laughs> after after that, though, I mean, you're just going through, beating up bad guys, doing this, doing this. But one thing I thought was really cool was the introduction to Batman when you got to Blackgate where the guy was beating up on the warden, and then you just saw the shadow of Batman come up behind him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's like a classic Batman scene. And you don't usually see that in the Batman games. Nope. Like the menacing-looking Batman. You usually just see the, hey, I'm Batman, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> and, all right, deuces. I noticed in the Blackgate opening sequence that... um, So, 
in previous Arkham titles, they kind of put you on a bit of a learning curve with the types of thugs you fight. You get your traditional thugs who just hit you with their fists, and then you move up throughout the courses of the games to thugs with knives, thugs with guns, thugs with batons, armored thugs, etc. In this game, the first two thugs you fight, one of them goes for a gun. And then mm-hmm. later, you're, you're like almost immediately introduced to the concept of armored thugs. So it's like the game kind of expects that, oh, if you're playing this, you've probably already played the last two, so we're just going to like throw these at you immediately. Or it's just like expecting new players to be like, hey, keep up. You yeah, know? and that that was another problem too because people who see this are like, oh, it's Origins, so it's the first one, so I should easily be able to just jump right into this, understand the story, and and go. But no, there is the there's really no learning curve for anybody. They're pretty much just throwing you right into the mix and saying, figure it mm-hmm. out. So we get out of the prison. We have a rooftop fight with Killer Croc. That's the first uh, de facto boss fight of the yeah, game. Yeah, I thought the, uh, the end part of that was pretty cool where he had him pinned up on the, uh, the gate. Yeah. And he was punching him and he was like, I'm going to drop you. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I'm going to drop you. No, I don't care. And he just kept doing it and he just punched him. Like, it showed a more of the ruthless and darker side of Batman that we haven't seen in the other Arkham games. You'll you see it a lot in Arkham Knight, but you you didn't get that much from Arkham Asylum. You had actually Arkham Asylum and City. At the beginning of Asylum, you had that little bit of a, a spat with the Joker, but there wasn't really much where he was like, I'm, "I've had enough of all right. this." Which is weird that Origins is where they would introduce that. Like, I know in Arkham Knight, he's on like edge all the time because he can't get over the fact that Joker's dead, but like. Why is he so broken and angry in Origins? He's just starting. Like, you've only been doing this for a little bit, bud. Calm down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But after that fight, uh, you go back to the Batcave, and mm-hmm. you find out that there's a little bit of a bounty on your head. A little bit? Yeah. How much is that bounty worth? Uh, it's about $50 million. $50 million. 50, $50 million. <laughs> it's a lot of money. So Black Mask has enlisted or hired... I don't even... Would you say enlisted? He's invited a a handful of the world's greatest assassins to Gotham City. And the ultimate goal of his little game is whoever knocks Batman out gets 50 million bucks. Yeah. So you had Deathstroke, Firefly, Copperhead, Deadshot, the Electrocutioner. Yes, the running gag of this game, Electrocutioner. <laughs> you have Shiva. You have uh, Bane. I think that was about it. Yeah, so uh, so the, the tagline of this game was, your villains will define you. And I don't know. I can't really say if I think throwing in a couple like C-tier Batman villains is really good enough to say, oh, these are the guys who defined Batman. Remember his iconic foe, Electrocutioner? You know, like, mm-hmm. like, like this game does, you get... You get Joker, you get Bane, you get Penguin, Killer Croc, but I mean, I don't know. These are uh, these are basically the jobbers of Batman villains, you know? Yeah. Um, I was really happy to see Firefly. Right. He was really cool in the animated series, so I enjoyed. I really like Firefly. Uh, mm-hmm. Deathstroke is a great Batman character. We'll get into that. Uh, the entire scene with Deathstroke, I thought that was it was. Pretty good, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Bane. Those were the ones I was like, okay, these three, I'm happy for them to be in there. But yeah. Copperhead, I honestly forgot about Copperhead. And even mm-hmm. going back and doing a little bit more research for this episode, I completely forgot that Copperhead was in this. Awesome awesome character in the game. Awesome fight. It was uh, interesting in the story part of it. But I, I was very forgettable. Yeah. So, just want to get that out there. This game has... I I like the gimmick of Batman is a target and he has to survive while he's trying to, like, solve a mystery within one night. I think that's a great gimmick. I just think it'd be better with a more interesting rogues gallery trying to hunt him down. When you have your villains will define you, you think of the Batman villains. You think of Penguin. You think of Two-Face. You think... You know, I'll even throw Clayface in there. Great villain. 
I'll throw, you know, Man Bat in the, in the game as well. Like, there's a lot of Batman villains that I would put in there before I would put these, Shiva. Yeah. These characters. Right. Also, I think it's a little annoying having Death Stroke and Death Shot in the same game. And I kept, when I know when I played through it, I kept getting them both mixed up. I'm like, oh, it's, it's Death Shot. Or, or <laughs> one's really one's really one wears a mask and is really good with guns and one wears a mask and is really good with swords it's super simple josh oh i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> yeah confusing choices there so yeah batman's got a hit on him so how does he go about dealing with this josh well he is reckless and just wants to go straight out and uh find them mm-hmm. rather than you know just staying low you know not being out at all for the entire night, so, you know, the bounty isn't, you know, claimed or anything like that. Let's just go right out in the middle of it. Yeah. He basically has a little bit of a central mystery. He's following the trail of a new criminal in town that nobody seems to know about, but is already resulting to very unorthodox and deadly means of getting what he wants. And it's somebody we're all very familiar with. Some green-haired, purple-suited weirdo. Never heard of him. Oh, he's uh, the prankster. Oh, the jester. Yeah, the one that Keith Hedger played. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Yes. yes. But yeah, but basically this mystery leads him to the first Arkham series encounter with the Joker. Yeah, so when we get to Jezebel Plaza, which is the, the second area of the of the game, you're going after Penguin. Because he knew he was like the next piece to figuring out where Joker was, which mm-hmm. Batman and Joker have never met in this world yet. It was it was basic, you know. Like I said, I'm sorry. I, I keep going back to the city because it's like, oh hey, we're out in the city now. You're just kind of wandering around. Here's a couple of thugs, beat them up. Like it's just so empty, and that's all I keep going back to is there's nothing in this game. Yeah, like, they bring back the Riddler things with the gimmick being, like, this is also the first time he's met the Riddler. Mm-hmm. And I'm it's just like, going to call you Nigma. Yeah, it's fine if you're into that. They also introduce the uh, Batman villain Anarchy, who's a more modern member of his rogues gallery. He's basically a hacker, and in this game he has put graffiti tags all over the city, so you can find those the way you would find, you know, Riddler tags in previous games. So they... They try a little bit to pepper it, but yeah, it's it's a big map, and there's very little to do, and so like most of the time you're just gliding around trying to get from point to point and yeah. trying not to die of boredom. This game does offer one one nice thing, which was the fast travel using the Batplane. Which is fine, except that like the loading screens for the fast travel system can sometimes be so long, it's like, yeah, eh, I should have just walked. Yep. When it came to even using the fast travel, though... You have Arkham, well, I'm sorry, I keep thinking Arkham City, but you have Gotham City. You have this whole area just as your playground, and you're more interested in just fast traveling across it. Like, you, the the game, very bad, very bad world design. The game should make you want to explore everything rather than just say, I just want to get across this bridge. I just want to get to the other side of this. I don't care about fighting these people again i don't care about gliding i don't care about this when you want to skip the good majority of the game and not use the mechanics that are set forth for you like there's a problem there and that's when you know the developer dropped the ball yeah so when you're going after penguin uh you encounter the electrocutioner yeah that great villain who's killed pretty well not killed but he's defeated very easily of and a kick to the, the face. Yep, beginning of a throwaway gag where every time the electrocutioner shows up, he's like, "I'm the best, and I'm going to get you, Batman." And Batman just, you know, flicks him, and boom, he's down. Which I mean, it was funny the first like, the first time it happened, I was like, "Okay, that that was funny." Like it was like a, "I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you." It's very uh, Indiana Jones ish, you know, mm. swinging the sword, swinging the sword, shoot the gun, done. Yeah. But if you had that gag three times within Raiders of the Lost Ark. It wouldn't be as charming. Oh, no. As, you know? No, not at all. So, but the Electrocutioner is kind of a fake out for the real true second big boss fight of the game, which is Batman versus Deathstroke. Which was awesome. It was a great boss fight. I'd argue it's probably the best fight in the game. Uh, 
yeah, I rival that with the Firefly fight just because how unique that fight was. That was a little too repetitious. This was, if you didn't hit the counters correctly, it kept doing the same loop over and over again, pretty much making you not fail. And I remember the first time I played this, I did not know the exact way I was supposed to be countering. So yeah, I was stuck in this for a while, but when you get the hang of it, it's re- it, it is pretty fun. It takes advantage of the entire rhythm gimmick that they put into the fighting system. Well, I think this fight reminded me a lot of, and you're going to laugh when I say this resident evil four, when your favorite game of all time, no, it is not my favorite game of all time, <laughs> but when you have the knife versus knife fight in resident evil with, four, Oh, with, uh, what's his face Kruger yeah when you're going at it and then you kind of forget that you're playing a game <laughs> you're so intrigued in the fight and you're like yeah. you're watching Batman and, and Deathstroke fight each other back and forth back and forth and you're just like oh and then you realize that you're just getting your ass kicked and I'm like oh oh shit I actually have to play this pay attention pay attention yeah which then like all of Batman's villains he is defeated mm-hmm. uh, very anticlimactically too yeah, it's weird to waste a bad guy this big, at least in terms of this game's lineup. Deathstroke's a big name, and it's weird to waste him so early in the I game. I seriously thought know? he was going to be the, the main villain. like, Or at least, you know, just the, like upper tier yeah, boss, you yeah. know, not like... But not to give you him so early in the game. So a little after the whole Deathstroke, uh, the Deathstroke thing, we have, which I think is the best part of this game. This is what stood out, I think, from Arkham Origins than anything, which was the actual detective work in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he meets up with Jim Gordon for the first time where they're part- needing to partner up. Also briefly encounters Barbara. She's uh, not Batgirl slash Oracle yet, but it's the series dropping their first you know, encounters together, and it's him having to put the detective work into actually figuring out who this Joker character is. Yeah. Uh, when you find out that Sionis' girlfriend was killed, which is uh, Black Mask, uh, when he when you do all the detective work and you see that he was actually forced to kill his girlfriend, and you're like, oh, shit. And then you see that it was the Joker. And you're like, oh, this is even... Okay, this unlocks a little bit more. A little bit of a, a, little bit of a power struggle going on. Yeah. I just... I feel like they ruined giving the joker to us so quick yeah it would have been interesting if like because basically we get a little bit of further ahead and there's a big bank robbery sequence and like black mask is there and you're kind of curious what's going on and then black the man that batman is approaching who he believes to be black masks takes his mask off and boom it's the joker so it's like oh like this is like a third act twist that we're getting in the first act you know like it's yeah, that should know. have been towards the end when you saw, when you finally got the black mask, takes it off, the mask off, and you're like, oh, shit, like, it's the Joker, rather than giving it to you. Like I said, same thing with Deathstroke. Uh, Deathstroke, really early in the game. You're giving mm-hmm. us all these surprises really early in the game. And can I just say, Troy Baker, like, I absolutely love mm-hmm. him as a voice actor, and he did a phenomenal job as the Joker. I think that... So the big two voice casting replacements for this title were Troy Baker taking over the Joker from Mark Hamill and Roger Craig Smith taking over Batman from Kevin Conroy. Now, I think they both do... I think Troy Baker does exceptional work in terms of if you're replacing Mark Hamill, Baker does such a good job with the characterization that it's not even that noticeable. Uh, Roger Craig Smith does good work. I don't think he's fully trying to mimic Kevin Conroy. I think he's doing enough of his own thing while also a little bit just trying to be like, this isn't, this isn't the same vocal range. So to establish some familiarity, but I think it's just a little too different. And it, I don't know. Like I I don't believe that the way this Batman sounds is what Batman's going to sound like five years later. Cause it's like, what is Batman a chain smoker? Is his voice just going to get like that, right, that right. deep from that. But, but I think, in a universe where this was like a standalone Batman game, Roger Craig Smith would have, I would be able to say, you did a great job. Yeah, Good job, man. Yeah, but then you put it as an origin to the other game. So now you're comparing it. You have it. It's being compared to the other two that got released previously. And that's the problem with this. Yeah. 
So, uh, bank robbery. We find out that Joker has been impersonating Black Mask, so we gotta go save the real Black Mask. And when we attempt to do so, we end up facing Copperhead. Yeah, which is your, uh, like, your Scarecrow-esque type uh, in the game. It's how you get your hallucinations, because you needed that Mm -hmm. in another Arkham game, which it was okay in the first two, but I'm sick of it already. So, So thanks. And it's just a forgettable encounter once you get through the gimmicks. It's just rinse, wash, repeat with a lot of these bosses, which is unfortunate, but we, we're just repeating ourselves at this point yeah. every time we have to say unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then you go to a cutscene with the Joker and the Electrocutioner. And, well, he actually reveals himself to the, the group that he's the Joker. Mm-hmm. And the Electrocutioner is like, oh, I'm, I'm still going to go after the Batman. No problem. I'm so awesome. And then oh oh electrocution yeah then Joker just <laughs> throws him out of a window <laughs> well yeah well so what's interesting about this sequence is that it takes place in this big fancy five star hotel that sits in the middle of the uh, bottom part of the map and it's huge and what I like about it is that for this sequence you kind of like approach the hotel as a standalone area and you have to go through it floor by floor to get to the Joker's penthouse. And um, it's a really cool level, I think, like climbing along the outside of it, fighting thugs through the hallways and then like jumping out a window, almost like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 4 and scaling the building. I thought it was a really great self-contained sequence. I absolutely hated this part of the game. Oh, really? It went on forever. Huh? All right. I'm, I, I will disagree with you on that one, but I can understand the way that mm-hmm. you're describing it. Yeah. It, Fair enough. I, I felt um, so like I was on this part of the, the level for this game for like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, teach their own. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Electrocutioner gets punked, thrown out of a window, and uh, Batman takes his gloves. You know, his body's not even cold yet, and he's he's looting them. <laughs> <laughs> so now Batman's got thunder gloves. Yep. So it pretty much just prevents you from having to block any attacks. Or have yeah. to worry about any, like, oh, this person's heavy armor. This person, you know, has to be attacked from the front. No, you have these gauntlets that you can just beat anybody you want with them. And it's, it kind of is a, a game breaker once you get to this point. And it's also some, something this game does that I hate in terms of, like, uh, series progression logic. And it's it's happened in other games where you have a, you have a series of games and they follow, like, a straightforward continuity. And then you get a prequel. And in the prequel you'll get certain kinds of mechanics or gadgets that weren't in the previous titles, but by their presence, it kind of destroys the internal timeline of whatever series you're playing. And this game is like a chief offender of that, where it's like, oh, he can do moves and has abilities that he didn't have in Arkham Asylum. And here he has, like you said, these game-breaking gloves that can just destroy anybody and it's like so over the course of five years he just figured these super powerful gloves i don't need them yeah like what yeah so it's a it's a bit dumb in my opinion yeah then after you spend you know the let the next like three hours climbing the building you get all the way up to the roof joker and his men are there to uh get caught but are they really there to get caught as you go to attack the Joker, the police show up and they're like, hey, you're all under arrest. And the Joker and his men shoot the police and then the police shoot back and the police get blown up in their helicopter. Then mm-hmm. Bane blows up the hotel because Bane's trying to escape <laughs> and the Joker's like, no, where do you think you're going? Bane blows up the hotel. Joker's falling out, which is one of those iconic Batman scenes that you always see where the Joker's falling and Batman just dives after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't. The last time I remember seeing that in a game was Batman Vengeance, which is a great game. <laughs> and then we also saw it in The Dark Knight, where he saves the Joker from plummeting to his death. And then we get the whole "Oh, we're destined to do this forever" spiel. Yep. We get a little. We get an unspoken version of this here, where like Joker's like he say like you know like you save me what you know. But um, Joker's imprisoned at Blackgate, and he's put under the psychiatric care of. Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Oh, my God. It's like it was set up from the beginning. Uh, one of the most awkwardly named but cool characters in recent comic book history. Yeah. How how can we backwards engineer an origin name for a character called Harley Quinn? <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
So shortly after that, you're wandering around the city. And then Mm -hmm. I believe the fight with Firefly starts. Yes. uh, Firefly attacks the bridge that connects the two pieces of the city. This is like the hotel, another set piece of the game. I really enjoyed. Um, You have to navigate the, the interior of the bridge's architecture from top to bottom while preventing Firefly from destroying the entire thing. And you've got to like disarm uh, little traps and fight him. It's, I think this is also a really great contained set piece. This I thought was this. I I had a lot of fun with this just because I knew the character a little bit more. I, I knew the Joker and stuff like that, but this, the character actually had, there was a threat there for the actual level overall too, rather than just beating up a couple thugs, climbing up a little bit higher, beating up a couple thugs. There's more variety in this set piece than I thought there was in the hotel overall, which led to a really awesome boss fight at the end of this. Yes. So Firefly, uh, bringing the boss quality back up a little bit. Loved it. Uh, so you save the bridge, stop Firefly. So then we get some, uh, some personal drama. <gasps> Uh, true to his characterization in the comics, Bane figures out who Batman is after like knowing him for like three hours, which kind of <laughs> makes Batman's ability to keep his identity secret look really flimsy. Which I have read the novelization to Nightfall, and they actually explain how Bane knows who Batman is, and I really wish that. They would, they would have explored it a little bit more in this game. They actually explained it a lot in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Like, he he pretty much was like, yeah, how did you get all those gadgets? How do you have all this money to do that? Like, you are Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The There's been a couple characters throughout Batman history, whether in comics or film, where a character has been like, oh, I put two and two together and I figured out who you are. This game, I feel like they were just like, well, Bane is like known for figuring out who Bruce is. So we're just going to like capitalize on that and not have to put too much work into it. But yeah, like you said, the original origin of Bane, where he was introduced and figured it out, it was treated a lot more like thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. And then this is just like, yeah, he finds out. Yeah. So where do we go after that? Uh, so, yeah, Bane attacks the Batcave. He beats up Alfred really, really badly. Uh, Batman gets there, and he has to use le- the Electrocutioner gloves to revive Alfred. And, uh, you know, they bond. Alfred's, you know, the Bat-Dad. <laughs> and, uh, stuff that other Bat-Media has, you know, done over and over again with a lot better results. You know, Alfred's Batman's dad. Batman cares about him. It's it's good. It's always good, in my opinion. I've never seen a Batman-Alfred story done poorly, but... Yeah. You know, it's just more the same. I've seen this before. Yeah, so now Batman's working with Gordon uh, to try to take to retake the prison, going to Blackgate, because, of course, the Joker gets away. So now we get a convoluted Batman moral choice uh, scenario like we saw in Batman Forever, like we saw in The Dark Knight. You have a villain who puts him in a situation where he has to put his ethics on the line and make a choice that should compromise his morals. But Batman, you know, figures out a way around it. And do you want to explain this convoluted plan, Josh? So you have the option to kill Bane on one hand or allow Bane to charge the chair and kill the Joker. Yes. So... It's like the electric chair is rigged to Bane's heart rate. Yeah. And so the longer Bane lives, the closer Joker gets to dying. Yeah. Which. Good for him for figuring that out in like two hours. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the entire time you were on the bridge, he figured all that out. If I just attach the chair to this. Yeah. (laughs) So he chooses to kill Bane. Right? So he, like, beats Bane until he doesn't have a pulse. And Joker's like, aha, I win. And then Joker pieces out. And but then... You use your uh, your shock gloves again. And restart Bane's heart. Yeah. Which... And... <laughs> then uh, Bane was like, no. You know, I'm just going to pump myself with more venom now. Mm-hmm. 
And then you go into your final fight, right? Mm-hmm. You have a... Well, the final proper boss fight, yeah. You fight hulked out Bane, and you beat him so badly that he conveniently forgets that you're Bruce Wayne. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it was very similar to the Mr. Freeze fight in Arkham City, where it's you hide, you jump out, and like hit him with something mm-hmm. over and over and over again until he's just... He's done. Well, recycling, as we've said, is kind of a something that they've been doing a lot. So it was either recycle the Bane fight in Asylum or just recycle another boss format. What can you do? Yeah. So, and then it just wraps it up. You know, we have a final encounter with the Joker and he's like, how did you get out of my brilliant scheme? And then Batman beats him up. Batman's just like, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. He beats him up. And then Gordon's like, you're a good guy. And freeze frame. Yep. <laughs> Executive producer. <laughs> Coming up next on Kids WB. And yeah, then we get some little uh, some little wrap-ups. We get Quincy Sharp, who you may remember as the warden of Arkham Asylum in the 2009 game, saying, I'm going to open Arkham Asylum so that bad guys can live here instead of Blackgate. And it's like, ah, they're... They mentioned it, uh, so now we know. Now they we know Arkham full circle, man. Uh. And then uh, we also get a post-credit scene. Oh my god! What? <laughs> yeah. Which it was so, very. What do you? Uh, how, how, how did you feel about this? Do you want to? How do you feel about the post-credit scene, Josh? So it's Amanda Waller coming in pretty much talking to Deathstroke there for a couple seconds and throwing a paper saying, hey, like we need you for this. And it's a paper that says Suicide Squad on it. Uh, I wasn't... And then he looks, at, he looks at Amanda Waller and says, what are we, some kind of Suicide Squad? <laughs> in, in the most Will Smith voice possible. Exactly. But my problem with it was they tease this for a game that happens in the past but never came to fruition in the future games well i I may i i think here's here's what i i believe and i admittedly um thought of this after i compiled my notes but so there was a dc animated movie called batman assault on arkham oh god i forgot about that and i believe that if I'm remembering correctly, the big hype around it was that this was an animated film that took place within the Arkham series timeline. So that is the payoff to the Suicide Squad story because it's Deathstroke and Harley and a couple other Suicide Squad members from the comics going on a mission. So I believe that's where the payoff to this cut this uh, cut scene okay, is. Okay, okay. So now, Tom, I have a question for you about this. Mm-hmm. Sure. So where's Deadshot? You fought him early... You find <laughs> he's somewhere in here. Where's Shiva? We didn't. I mean, like you know, Shiva's on the roster, but I barely remember the fight. Beyond, I think there was ninjas. It's... Which which goes back to what we we're talking about, of being forgettable. Yep. It's it's just come full circle. To we had we had two characters here. We had two villains in this game that we just completely forgot about. Yep. Like the. I can't. When I when we started talking about doing this game, I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? It's actually not as bad as I remember. Like I don't think yeah. it's as bad as I as I remembered it when I was playing through. And then, you know, doing some research, playing a little bit of it, watching some some cutscenes and stuff like that, and I was like, "Oh god. This this is bad." Like Yeah, I was I was also because I'm the one who suggested this. I was like, we've got to get that Justice League advertising money. But, um, you know, <laughs> I expected I'm going to sit down. Because I've been a big defender of this game for years. Like, every time anybody craps on it or is like, that's not really part of the timeline. I'm like, it wasn't that bad. But, yeah, like, about, like, the second hour of me just being an empty winter Gotham, having nothing to do, I was like, oh, I can't defend it. Oh. Or I can't defend it as strongly. The game oh. was missing, like... Look at think about all the Easter eggs in Arkham Asylum and all in Arkham City. There's no Easter eggs in this game calling previous villains or anything along those lines. Because you're 
back into prequel modes, you can't talk about anything. Yeah. You can't, you, know, you like, can't. It hasn't happened yet. How, how dare somebody else be out there other than just these assassins here? Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to talk about the frame rate issues. I know you talked about uh, the loading times. The frame rate drops in that game when you're gliding are some of the worst that I've seen. And I mean, Asylum and City ran perfect, I think. At, I mean, they have their issues, but those those games ran perfect compared to, yeah. to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's a bummer. That's all I can. I I just have to admit it. There is this game's still a lot of bummers. I think the thing I held on to all these years was just that there are just a couple of really great sequences within this game. Uh, we already mentioned Deathstroke. We mentioned well, we were split on the hotel, but we agreed on the bridge. There's also a cool little section that I think we should just bring up real quick is that when Joker gets committed to Blackgate after he's initially arrested halfway through the game, and he's committed under Harley you have a little playable sequence where you're going inside the Joker's mind and he's remembering like the actions that brought him to where he is. And you get to kind of play out a little bit of the red hood flashback sequence from the killing joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you get to play through one of the cool ideas of the killing joke that haven't aged incredibly poorly. (laughs) You know, you're walking around in the red hood costume and, it's a it's a nice little like internalized version of uh, getting to a character's frame of mind. I, I enjoyed it. I thought that was kind of something I'd recommend from this game. Yeah, I mean, and also going back to it, like we said before too, Roger Craig Smith and Troy Baker, they were great in the roles. I very much enjoyed them. I I had no no issues with them taking over the the roles uh, from Kevin Conroy and uh, Mark Hamill, like. Kudos to those guys filling in some pretty big shoes. Because, honestly, when I think of the best Batman, I think of Kevin. When I think of the best Joker, I think of Mark. While we're doing voice actor recognition, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Robert Costanzo for showing up as Detective Harvey Bullock briefly. You know, I was actually going to mention that, too. because I was like, good for you, man. Yep. Yep. Harvey Bullock, back in it. One of my one of my favorite characters, and he was only from he was introduced in the animated series. Yeah, and then he's kind of become a permanent part of talking about Batman. Uh, like Donald Logue currently plays him on Gotham, so it was neat seeing him in this game as briefly as he was. Yeah, but yeah, um, so game was released as we said October twenty fifth, twenty thirteen. Released to like mixed ish reviews. You know, yeah, you're looking. Kind of, you're looking at like seven point threes, seven point seven point sixes. I think the lowest score I saw was from Destructoid that gave it a three point five out of ten. I wouldn't have rated well, it that low. Yeah, it's just like six, you know, it's solid C plus B minus. Yeah, in my I opinion. would say six or seven would probably be fine. I like I said, the game is just the game's pretty empty mm-hmm. overall. The, the story could work. Like I said, we missed a bunch of the stuff. It's just very forgettable. What's interesting, an interesting kind of epilogue note about this game, as we said, it was released on every current generation console at that time, including the Wii U. So the Wii U, when it launched, it got a port of Arkham City. So there was a bit of a precedent for it getting a Batman title. And this was in like the last gasp of Wii U having solid third-party support. So... They released Arkham Origins on Wii U. Then they announced that all consoles would be getting the Mr. Freeze origin story DLC. And then Warner Brothers proceeded to cancel the (laughs) Wii U port of the DLC and refund anybody who bought the season pass because they couldn't justify pouring any more money into it based off of how low the Wii U sales were for the title. So it marks a little bit of a sad note in Nintendo history in that they just couldn't attract third-party support so that's a bit of a bummer but um yeah the game kind of completely got forgotten when arkham knight came out and now it's just like the other arkham game you know yeah i've never played the blackgate one which came out around the same time that was the one that came the handheld consoles and then for 3ds and ps vita i believe correct yeah so tom when it comes to ranking your arkham games 
I know you didn't play Knight. Where do you rank this compared to the three that you've played? Well, I would go... Uh, just an order of release. Asylum City Origins. Okay. At this point. Um, yeah, I think I would... Asi- oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I just... I think, uh, I think Asylum's the best because it's a tight, contained game. Although I think City's a little bit more fun to play, but it's also a little bit meandering because it's a sandbox so you don't always stay focused but like it's fun to fly around a city as batman and there's a lot of stuff to do to kind of balance that out and then as we said origins sandbox but it's an empty sandbox has interesting story doesn't fully capitalize on it yeah Eh, you know yeah i'd probably go city asylum or well actually i'd probably go city asylum night then origins it was really hard because i was like night isn't isn't that much better than this and that's saying a lot it's everything that you've expected from a batman it was just the most predictable of all the batman games i remember playing through city and when you get towards the end you're like oh my god what the hell like you completely forget about all these other characters and the storyline that was in that Mm -hmm. game and then city was so good because i'm a really really over-the-top batman nerd and some of the stuff that would show up in city i was like oh you devils how did you pull this on me you know yeah. so it's like yeah and arkham knight they just tried way too much They're like okay we heard you you didn't like origin so we're gonna go through and we're gonna give you everything you liked about city and give you a tank for the entire game <laughs> and it's just and build unnecessary parts of the game around it yeah yeah Thus concludes our conversation about Batman Arkham Origins. Possibly a little justified in being forgotten, but something that I think... I think if you're a completionist, it's at least worth a try, but just know that it's a long game to get through. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of 3 to Play DLC. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and video slideshow episodes on YouTube. Please remember to like, review, and share these episodes so you can spread the word about gaming goodness. And be sure to come back for more, because our season pass is always free.